Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. 802 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Rick Dollywell is going to join us in just a sec here to kick off hour three. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the interweb at campbell-pound.com today. Oh, this is my Kintec read. I'm getting all confused because we are doing... Uh, why don't you do, just do something else right now? Let's just go to the phone line, shall we? On the no, we're coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. That's why we're the best show in the business, folks. Right we're there. not the best show. You make a mistake, you pick yourself up. You did it perfectly. A little fast. I thought it was 8.30. It's not 8.30. It's 8.03. Joining us now, Rick Dollywell here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Rick? Brock, that may have been the fastest read mm-hmm. I've ever heard in my life. Wow. I know. I took a lot of speed this morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's quite apparent on our show as well. Um, the Canucks needed some speed last night against the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, what did you think of that performance? Pretty flat for performance, no? Yeah, for sure. And and Vegas kind of showed you why they won the Stanley Cup last year. Their best players were way better than Vancouver's best players. I, I, I look at that Barbashev goal and I say to myself, okay, hold it a second here. You got Miller's line. You got your top uh, defensive pair. They're all watching. You know, it's in front of the net. You got to protect your net. And they're all standing around and just Barbashev just, oh, give me the puck and I'll just uh, slide it past Demko. Yeah, and the Canucks didn't create much offensively last night. The Vegas smothered them. You don't get a ton of chances against that Golden Knights team. And you're outshot at home, 44-22. Only six shots in the third, and you're down by three. You give up a goal 15 seconds into the third. Um, the power play guys, uh, 0 for 3, all the, th- the opportunities in the first 40 minutes. Um, no shot attempts by Elish Patterson. I, I know he's probably a hot topic on um, your show as, as, as well as ours, but no shot attempts. I think there was a game... Uh, one or two weeks ago where he had, I, I think, 10 um, shot attempts. So that, that's uh, got to be concerning when a player of that ilk uh, gets no shot attempts. Uh, the positive, Well, the other one, uh, giveaways, you know, talk it, puck management, Vancouver mm-hmm. 11 last night, Vegas 5, and talk it's huge on puck management. You, you can't have that many giveaways against a team that's trying to win the cup back-to-back. Yeah, the second goal was bad puck management. JT Miller a little soft along the boards, and then yeah. Hoaglander not tracking back uh, very well, and then just confusion in the Canucks' end, and Vegas is passing it around perfectly and end up having a crossing yep. one-timer for a goal. Um, what's your biggest concern with this team right now? Well, just consistency. And and in the last two weeks, uh, I'm not seeing 60 minutes. You're seeing, remember the game in Seattle, third period, they turned it on. Um, then the other night, third period, you know, and, and they won the game. It, it's it's consistency. 
Elvin talked about it the other day when he was talking about we want to be good every night, not every second, third, fourth night. And it's just that nailing down, you know, shift after shift, period after period. I'm not, I'm not seeing the consistency, and that's a concern. You know, and, and, and just one period, playing good one period at the NHL level is just not going to cut it to, to win many games. And, you know, and I look now, Calgary's in town on Saturday. Maybe three weeks ago, you would have looked at the schedule and said, hey, this is an easy two points. I don't think so. Uh, the Flames are 5-1-2 and two in their, their past eight. They were 8-4-2 in November. They've beaten Dallas twice in the past week. They've beaten Vegas in the past week. I don't know, you know what the heck's going on in Calgary, but they're playing a whole lot better. And, you, you know, I, I, you could have looked at the schedule a while back and said, hey, that's an easy two points. I don't think it's an easy two points tomorrow night. They're going to have to – it's that consistency, uh, Jason. They need to bring it every period, every shift. Uh, Rick, I know you're going to talk to Dan Milstein coming up next, and we actually got to cut this interview a little bit short so you can go do yeah. that. Um, when the Canucks acquired Nikita Zadorov, yeah. um, were they thinking this is just a rental that we can't pass up on, the price isn't very high, we need some help on the back end, or is this a guy that you think they've been targeting for a while for a re-signing? Oh, long time they've targeted this guy. He's been, I, I've said... Uh, for a while in this market. He was their number one target. But this trade doesn't happen unless the Canucks move Anthony Beauvillier out. That cap space enabled them to go after a player they've coveted a long time. The other biggest factor was that Calgary did not have to retain money in the deal. That was a big one. Mm -hmm. Remember everyone said they don't want to trade in the division, they don't want to trade in the division, but the Canucks had the cap space to say to Calgary, you don't have to retain. That was huge. And the Maple Leafs were after him as well because Tree Living uh, loves uh, Zadorov as well, uh, but they needed uh, Calgary to retain. Vancouver didn't need Calgary to retain, and that's why it happened so quickly. Why do you think Calgary was so hesitant to retain? Was it them just trying to save actual money, or was it that they might need those retention spots later in the season? Oh, they need it late. Everyone's look. Everyone's always looking ahead to July first and after the season, the trade deadline, all that stuff. That was a major play last night when I talked to people. And uh, okay, well, why Vancouver? Well, they didn't want to send him to Vancouver, but as soon as the Canucks had the money uh, from the Bavilia trade to say, hey, we don't have to retain. You guys don't have to retain. Boom, it was done. So look, every team likes uh, to not retain money. Look at um, look at Garland and Besser in the last year when they were trying to move him, and teams said you got to retain the Canucks didn't want to retain no one wants to dead money on the books so that was a big factor in it the other big factor guys was Rick Tockett's fingerprints all over this he loves the size loves the skating he loves the hits now players will think twice about crossing that Vancouver blue line in the middle this guy loves to hit he catches a lot of guys in open ice his care meter is high now all of a sudden the Canucks have three guys over six feet five inches tall as the door off uh, Susie and Myers uh, you look at their left side now, Hughes, Cole, Zadorov, and, and when Susie comes back, that's pretty good. If they, okay, we'll get into Ethan Bear in a minute, but if they don't land a right shot D, they can always move Cole over to the right side. He did do that mm -hmm. in Carolina. So they, they do now have options. I was told a couple of days ago the first trade for a defenseman was going to be a left shot, but now they're going to concentrate. Uh, the other uh, big thing in this, guys, was that Vancouver was high on Zadorov's list of destinations. Last week, the Canucks made, made an offer. They kept it going. 
no uh, contract extension came with this trade, but I was told there was a possibility of a sign and turn trade. I'll be very, very, very surprised if the Canucks don't extend uh, Zadorov at some point before July 1st. Uh, I, I certainly think it's on the menu. So real quick, um, Ethan Bear, is this their next? Is this their next move, or could something else come up? Yeah. Okay. Can, can, do you mind if I talk about Chris Tanner for one second? Sure. Uh, yeah. Before go for we it. get to Ethan Bear. Well, we got Lock two it. minutes because you got to get to Dan Milstein. No, no. What are you talking about? My clock says eight oh eight. I got four minutes. Give me time. I got time. I got time. Uh, is your clock eight oh eight or eight oh nine? Where's like your eight, clock? I don't know. It's like eight fourteen. <laughs> no, it's not eight. Well, I got our clock is different than your guys' clock. We got are we in different? Time? All right, stop anyway. wasting time about the clock. Talk forget about Tanev. Forget about the clock. Chris Tanev. Lots of teams after Tanev. It's a pretty hot market for him. But you guys know deep down, Tanev thought it could have been him and not Zadorov traded to Vancouver. Tanev still loves the city. He's got very good friends here. Never wanted to leave. But the Tanev price to, for acquisition is higher, and his salary is higher, too. He's at four five. Canucks could revisit him in July 1st if they have the cap space, but I'm just telling you that deep down, you know that mm-hmm. you know Tanev was probably thinking, hey, it could be me to Vancouver, but he, he looks like he'll probably else end up elsewhere. Okay, listen, uh, Ethan Bear, the Canucks are still uh, in on him. They, uh, uh, the biggest uh, the deal here is to relieve the top pair from the high minutes they're playing. Zadorov's going to help, but they need one more guy. That's Bear. Uh, he won't sign for another two, three weeks yet. That deal, for me, if I had to guess, one year around one million prorated, is kind of what people think. Uh, the Canucks can clear out more cap space, or you can send Juleson down. Uh, there's fun, there's ways to get uh, Bear on the books. Uh, Bear's got five, six teams after him right now. I know the Canucks obviously will be in it, but I've heard some other teams are hot and heavy after Bear as well. Um, if you don't get Bear, like I said, you can always move Cole to the right side. But uh, mm-hmm. Ethan Bear, they are still in on for sure. Um, since you got all the time in the world, we were talking a little bit about Tyler. Myers, do you think he finishes the season with the Canucks? Because that is some cap space that yeah. they could use. Yeah, big time. Well, okay, so let, let's see if they can land Ethan Bear. I'm not saying they're going to land Ethan Bear. I think they'll be in there, uh, but there are other teams that are pretty hot and heavy after him, too. So um, if you get Bear, yeah, that you you can now you you can now move tires. Uh, sorry, Tyler Myers at the at the trade li- deadline. But look, the thing with Myers, whether you move them in season or out season, maybe they're doing well and they want them in the lineup. I just told you now their blue line's much much bigger. Uh, you can make the decision on Tyler Myers after the season. You don't really have to make it in the season. And if they think they can, he can help them and and be harder to play against, so obviously with three defensemen that are pretty huge. Uh, but that 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 money's coming off the books anyways. You could play with that six million on July first. You don't necessarily have to play with it in season. But that what they do with him will be certainly interesting for sure. Rick, I know you got to go. Thanks for doing this, bud. We appreciate it. All right, bye, bye, uh, Rick Dollywall, Cox reporter from the Donnie and Dolly Show on Check TV here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty. Okay, let's do these giveaways. The uh, Canucks tickets for the Devils game. Congratulations to Kevin on the road. We read his "What We Learned." My eight year old son just learned hockey isn't fair when I told him Vegas already has a cup. After only being in the league for six years, I'd love to take him to the game on Tuesday to show him a team that's had two first overall picks in the same decade. Yeah, the Canucks have never had a first overall pick, and now they're going to play uh, a New Jersey team that has had two first overall picks in just the last little while. Uh, you see, uh, unfortunate for the – I think, although I think he uh, escaped unscathed in terms of injury, but Luke Hughes got absolutely smashed into the boards yesterday. 
by Garnett Hathaway. He's taken a few hits, hasn't he? Yeah, and I know that uh, Luke Hughes wasn't the first overall pick. It was Jack, but, you mm-hmm. know, the Hughes brothers. Um, they Well, <laughs> as this season goes along, I hate saying this because I want to see them thrive, but I think the MO for a lot of teams that are going to play the Devils are, we're going to rough these guys up. Yeah. I don't think you're going to say it out loud, but that's obviously what you're going to do. Because, look, the Devils are not a physically imposing team. Mm-hmm. They're, they're on the small-ish side. They're and they kinda, lost a guy like Graves. They like to they, they, they like to play up-tempo, high-octane hockey, but the guys put themselves in a lot of vulnerable positions when they do that, right? So I'll be curious to watch that moving forward. Uh, the winner of the $100 gift certificate to AJ's Pizza, congratulations to Melissa in a helicopter. Maybe this is a case of the rich getting richer. Melissa mm. already has a helicopter, and now she's got a hundred dollars gift certificate. She's in the helicopter. She might not own the helicopter. That's true. Right? She might or ask be- us anything. You're going on a first date, possibly with someone in aviation. Oh, good luck! And the date asks you to pick up pizza, but doesn't say what toppings they like. What toppings do you choose for them? Safe, or do you go out on a limb? And that gave us an opportunity to talk a lot about pizza. There's been a lot of pizza talk on the show today. I'm here for it. Which is fair, which is fine, really. Um, okay, we want to do a few more. So congratulations to the winners. Um, enjoy. In the spirit of giving, the Halford and Bruff show, right? Mm-hmm. First day of December, we're right into it. Giving away $100 gift cards for pizza. Giving away Canucks tickets. We'll be doing this again next week. We're also giving away Christine Sinclair match tickets. A-Dog, that's correct, right? That Are we? Across. Next week, A-Dog's not paying attention to me whatsoever. What's you, up? So you said there was an email that came through. We're going to be giving away tickets to the Tuesday's match with Christine Sinclair's farewell at BC Place. We're going to be giving those. Yeah, it looks like week. it. Okay, perfect. So in the, <laughs> what, what, yes or no? Well, it's yeah. just, it's in, I haven't gotten an email about it, but it is in the prize the confirmation oh, list see, okay. order. So one would assume, gotcha. unless they change their minds, that yes, we will be. <laughs> They're like, nah, we're not going to do it. We'll con- psych. We'll confirm on Monday. <laughs> I bring this up because uh, we're going to spend a considerable amount of the back half of this show discussing Christine Sinclair. So what we learned, and we'll kick off what we learned right now, we've got one uh, involving Christine Sinclair. Also, John Herdman, her former manager with the Canadian Women's National Team, is going to join us uh, in the 8.30 segment, the final segment of the show. He's going to join us from the UK. Um, This is a big, big story. And, you know, sometimes we'll try and promote a story because we think it needs to get the exposure it deserves. We don't even need to do that right now because this has gone beyond sports in that uh, Ryan Reynolds is now talking this up and discussing the impact that Christine Sinclair has had on the sport in this country as she's had as, a, as an icon and a role model and everything else. And he recorded a video message to Christine Sinclair as her farewell matches are now one tonight in Langford at Starlight Stadium. And then, of course, on Tuesday at BC Place, which will be renamed Christine Sinclair Place. Uh, let's play the audio here. Ryan Reynolds on Christine Sinclair. Ryan Reynolds, I just want to wish you all the best, all the love, and all the luck in retirement. Well, it's not really retirement. Um, in moving on in your career to Wrexham. Uh, it's huge for, for the town, for the club. Uh, I think that you are going to be probably the key difference maker uh, going forward up there in North Wales. Um, Anyway, I wanted to send you lots of love. And I, what I really wanted to do was thank you. I wanted to thank you for inspiring uh, me, my kids, uh, kids all over Canada and the world, uh, young, old, middle-aged. Um, you're incredible. And uh, you deserve all the applause that hands could possibly give. Um, sending you tons of love. 
Can you please, you did the digging on, because it sounded sincere. It the, did. The it Rexham had me invite. fooled. At yeah. least. It had, that had you fooled? You well, thought, I thought there was something going Sinclair on. was going to go play Not in, play. for Wrexham? I, I thought maybe he was sending her on like a trip or like yeah, financing yeah. something. Like I don't know. The, it, it was the, a lot of money. The, the, point, <laughs> the poignant music in the background. I was like, this is a weird setting for a gag. But he pulled it and mm-hmm. he did it. And he, th- you know what? I'll give him credit. Most people, when they maybe saw that the joke wasn't going to land, they'd be like, I'm just joking. But he didn't do it. He, was, he remained committed to the bit, which is good. And it was very sincere at the end, and it was nice. And look. So when they renamed BC Place Christine Sinclair Place, yeah. can we still like complain about the stadium and the service users? And they're like, this is classic Christine Sinclair Place. I can't get a tequila and to. soda. Because I'm an idiot, I did think about this. <laughs> Does there have to be like a 48-hour moratorium yeah. on stadium? How long are these lineups to get into Christine Sinclair Place? It's always the same. You, yeah. You know it's what I, CS Place. You know what I don't care for? Christine Sinclair Place? The metal detectors. Yeah. They're not great. Well, yeah. there's going to be a big crowd there. 40,000. Well, so far. Yeah. And rightfully And then they're so. going to get the Halford and Bruff bump. Right. So it's going to be 40,001. <laughs> um, I... We could go on at length about this, but I would like to reserve some of the <laughs> airtime here for John Herdman. So we'll table it for a minute. We'll do more What We Learns and Ask Us Anythings because it is a Friday show here. But uh, John Herdman is going to be joining us um, in the 8.30. Sorry, from 8.30, basically right up until the end of the show, we'll talk to John about uh, the greatest soccer player, one of the best athletes that Canada's ever produced, Christine Sinclair. Do we have an Ask Us Anything or What We Learned? Of course we, do. we have a ton. Okay. Doug from Port Moody, Ask Us Anything. And you know how earlier we were saying how our listenership is getting a little bit old? Like, as we're getting old, we're taking the listenership with us. I believe this stemmed from the guy that only wears Eddie Bauer. (laughs) Doug from Port Moody. Ask us anything. I have hair growing out of my nose, hair growing out of my ears, on my ears, and hair on my hands. When will puberty end? Yeah. That ain't puberty. I'm starting to notice a lot of ear hair. Are Have you got that problem? No. You can see into your ear? Are you hearing whistling? Frequent whistling? No, no, no. I take or care rustling? of it. I take care of it. But I sometimes wonder, like, when I'm cutting the hair or clipping the hair in my ears, is that is that uh, creating more hair growth there? And yeah, I, that's and always been making the a problem, right? <laughs> like lawn. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't cut it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I well, Sometimes I, I find, a, like, a real long one in there. Um, I, I'm just like I wish I had more to add to this conversation because I don't have that. Per- is it an affliction at that point? It's, it's, it's not an affliction. 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 It's well, it's, it's bothersome. It's just reality. Well, it's bothersome, right? right? Yeah. You don't like it. Yeah. You got to groom it. It doesn't like. But sometimes I think I should just keep it in case I start losing hair on my head, and we might need to plug it in there. I don't think that's how. It but works. then I've got enough on my back that I think I can probably <laughs> harvest it there. In my hands, apparently. Yeah. According to our texter, the hands. Um, speaking do, you, of, do you play sports with any guys with like, you know, like you're you're in the change room after and they take their shirt off or whatever and you're like, you're wearing a sweater. Mm-hmm. Put that like shirt Robin, on. Like Robin Williams like style. Robin like, Williams style. Yeah, 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 pretty much wearing a jacket. Steve Carell. Mm-hmm. Right. right? Do, you, was, do you think if you have that much hair, you should lean into it or you should, because mm-hmm. it's, it's an arduous process probably to, you know, clip it all off. It's like, you know, shearing a sheep or once a it. week yeah, or whatever. Really it gets me, man. I the guys that just have it like 
puffing out of the back of their shirts. So yeah. Yeah. That's tough. But he, mm, he brings up a good point because it's there's maintenance involved. There's a lot of maintenance, right? right? And you I, usually have to get help with that sort of thing. I'm going to go right? out on a limb and suggest that most of our listeners are not the quote-unquote body maintenance types. So they're probably just letting it go. Or right? someone who has like a girlfriend or a wife <laughs> that would take care Significant of that, for other. example. Yeah. Speaking of, Austin and Langley ask us anything. <laughs> What's your most embarrassing, funny sporting memory as a fan? I remember I went on a date with my girlfriend at the time and I high-tend to the guy I was sitting beside after a late third period goal. <laughs> I hadn't really said a word to him the entire game, and then we didn't really say anything after the high 10. Uh, my wife and I are still together to this day, so the girlfriend became wife. So I, admittedly, I think we've told this story before. Uh, we were in, two, it was 2007 playoffs, right, when the Canucks went to quadruple overtime against the Dallas Stars. Yeah. And Bruff and I used to be just ticket-buying members of the public, and we were there, and we were watching Before it. we got entitled. Yeah, it was a different time. Which Boy, probably did you ever. we um, <laughs> we did the the first and we have known each other for close to twenty years. The first and only ever high ten yeah. that we connected on was when the Sedins scored to end that game. So there was a combination of elation because we were happy and, and loopiness too. Loopiness, but and then um, the feeling of relief that it was over, and then immediately afterwards the feeling of regret. That we had done a high ten in public together. Yeah, you know when you. But connect- we we nailed it. Though. Yeah, and, but when we because connect- sometimes you can do a high ten and it can go wrong and you get like you get a you get a little bop in the well, nose. There's right? two avenues for failure too, right? You well, so, sometimes one, yeah. I find with a high ten, the other guy is thinking it's going to be a high five, and then the high five comes in between the tens. You yeah. know what the trick is, and you'll never miss a high five or a high ten ever again. What's that? You look at the other person's elbow. Not their eyes while you're doing the high five or the high ten. It's just like you're giving golf instructions. No, but I'm, I'm not. This you got to lock eyes. Man. I wish Come I was. On. I wish I could go into the studio right now and, and demonstrate this Good. for you. Mm-hmm. Well, no, we're not set up to do that. Um, but I mean, like literally, if you are looking at somebody and you're high fiving them, you might miss. But if you look at their elbow, you know, you'll you're not a great athlete connect. when you're like, you know, the key to connecting on a high ten. Yeah, <laughs> look is, at their elbow. That's the trick. <laughs> this, I'm telling you, this is the most useful advice you've ever this given. This is a life in the hack of the radio. You will never that. miss. You will never miss a high five or a high ten ever again. But isn't isn't but isn't he is the isn't it communication too? Like there has to be that. I almost think you know how coaches want to hear players talk out there on the ice. Like you almost have to communicate. Like this is gonna be a high ten. Yeah. You gotta let it be known. Or a ahead five. Of time. You have a code word, right? If you're mi- if you're <laughs> mixing a tenor. Up, if you're mixing up the five and the ten, then yeah, you probably want to like heads up tenor. Okay, uh, coming up on the Halford Ref Show on Sportsnet 650, <laughs> we're gonna talk to former Canadian men's national team coach, former Canadian women's national team coach, now the head man at TFC, John Herdman. Ask him gonna, about the elbow thing. I bet he knows. Probably not gonna do that. Uh, he's what gonna, about back hair? No, we're not gonna do that either. We're probably gonna focus on Christine Sinclair. Oh, all due okay. respect to all of these Ask Us Anything Fridays. We're not gonna ask John about pizza. We're not gonna ask. About Nikita Zadorov. It's going to be exclusively about Christine Sinclair's The Halford and Bruff Show tries, I repeat, tries to keep it on focus and on topic for 20 or some odd in uninterrupted minutes. We'll see how it goes. Stick around. See how it goes. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People's Show with Bick Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Hey, 
8.30 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in the final hour of the program. John Herdman's going to join us in just a minute here to talk about Christine Sinclair. Uh, the highlight of the week, final hour. Final hour of this show, hour three, is brought to you by Campbell & Pound, real estate appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Uh, we got a, quite a few texts into the Dunbar Lumber text line about um, awkward celebrations. Uh, we were talking about high tens and high fives and how to connect on them. And sometimes there's miscommunications. Unsigned text into the Dunbar Lumber text line. I was in the lower bowl corner side where Petey scored his first goal. And I guess me and my buddy got our signals crossed. And he thought I was going for a hug. But I was going to shoulder check him. And he just hugged the side of my body for about three seconds. <laughs> to make it worse, one of the dudes behind us leaned forward and said, that was sweet. <laughs> See what I, you know, there's like, there's I like, like to think he like, he like jumped into the side hug <laughs> and then his buddy just, he just held him. The kicker is the guy behind. I like to imagine it's, you know, Dooley from King of the Hill, the monotone kid. Yeah. Like, that was brave. <laughs> <laughs> that was, was very sweet. Lame. Um, we, I I don't like to re- reflect on our high ten. It was an awkward moment in our relationship, but it exists. It was there. Mm-hmm. I've seen Cal- like the timing of it all. There's a certain spontaneity that has to go into it, right? Because you don't, you, no one orchestrates. A dog just came in to demonstrate the elbow thing, and we immediately missed a high five. He I'm was about like, to post the video. He's, he's like, he look at my the first one because you weren't looking. I was looking right at your elbow. Yeah. But we nailed all the other ones, right? Yeah, but okay, come well, on, man. This isn't an athletic achievement to connect on a high five. You just got a little nervous. You were like, this is a foolproof way it is. to nail a high five. And I was like, really? I've been looking at hands my whole life oh, and man, I haven't had elbow. a huge problem with it. And then I looked at your elbow and we immediately missed. Well, maybe because it was new for you, you got thrown off a little bit. Um, okay, what's uh, what's going on with John? Herdman's just finishing a Zoom. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah, so uh, here's the situation. Christine Sinclair's retirement from international football is going to be celebrated with two matches in her home province of British Columbia. The first will be uh, tonight, 7.30 kickoff against Australia at Starlight Stadium in Langford, which is close to Victoria. Uh, a few nights later, it'll be Canada against that same Australian team. 7 p.m. kickoff. That's on Tuesday night. So that's going to be a big night because we've got the Canucks and uh, Devils that night. We're giving mm-hmm. away tickets. We already gave away tickets to that one. Are these important games for Canada as well? Um, or is this going to be more of a... Both. It's I, I know it's a cop-out answer, but it's both. It's yeah. both, right? I mean, this. look, let's not get it twisted. This is going to be about ceremony first and foremost. Mm-hmm. We're not just talking about anyone going off into international retirement here. Right. We're talking about the greatest footballer that Canada has ever produced and a pioneer, not just in Canada, but in terms of the global women's game. You want to do Mount Rushmore of the greatest women footballers of all time. Like you're, She's in the conversation for that right so she's she's there yeah is john ready to go we good okay joining us now very happy to have him on the program uh former manager of the canadian men's national team former manager of the canadian women's national team and now currently with tfc we've had him on the program before very happy to have him back john herdman now on the halford and bruff show on sportsnet 650 morning john how are you yeah doing fine doing fine how are you guys 
Uh, we are well. Thanks for taking the time to do this. Uh, when we got wind that these retirement matches for Christine Sinclair were going to happen, we wanted to get you on the show because you spent a long time coaching Christine, and there were some very, very important and famous moments that the two of you uh, went through together as coach and one of the stars of the Canadian women's national team. So uh, I kind of want to do this chronologically, if you don't mind. We'll go all the way back to 2011 when you take over as the manager of the women's team. So at this point, Christine Sinclair is already a veteran of the team because she debuted at 16. So she had been on the, with the program for 11 years already. So when you come aboard, what were some of your memories upon meeting her and then watching her play for the first time? Okay. Amazing. Amazing. So that's, hey, that's a question now. Do we... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we, do, are we losing? Are we losing uh, communication here? No, I'm good. I'm good. You want me to answer that now? Yes. Are, we, are we live? Yes, 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 yes. yeah, yeah. Yep. We're, live. We're live. We're live, John. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Oh man. Well, I think when you look at, at the time with Christine, the big draw to come into Canada was to work with a player of that of that caliber and when I talk about that caliber I'm talking in the women's game one of the top three players at the time and that was back in 2011 so you know when I was in New Zealand I got to see Christine first hand in my first home game it was the first home game New Zealand had played against a, a team in something like 20 years we brought the Canadian team to give us a real test and Christine had scored a hat-trick with inside 20 minutes. We had 6,000 Kiwis watching the great Christine Sinclair. And in that moment, you recognize there are levels in this game. But I think in that moment, you were clear that what an opportunity it would be to work with someone of, of that sort of prestige. And one of my mentors had said to us, you know, to get better as a coach, you have to work with better players. And coming to Canada to work with Christine was probably the biggest coaching challenge of my life because here I was arriving to this this team that was ranked 10 in the world. I hadn't won a trophy with New Zealand. I mean, we, you know, punched above our weight a little bit and never worked with someone of that, that caliber. And I, I just remember having that sort of imposter syndrome flying in and thinking, I'm going to be training Christine Sinclair tomorrow. <laughs> like, what's she going to think? <laughs> you know, this little hobbit from New Zealand, you know, who's never won anything. So I was pretty nervous, but, you know, we, we hit it off. We, we, we sort of understood each other. It, it, it became a, a really productive relationship. She, she helped me develop as a coach, and I'd like to think I helped her develop as a leader. What was it that stood out about her game specifically when when you first watched her? Was it her technical ability? Was it her work ethic, um, vision? Tell us what you saw immediately when you first saw her play. I, I, I just keep saying Rolls Royce. <laughs> oh, man, like, just class. Just class, like... You, you think of a Rolls-Royce and the luxury vehicle that just glides and everything's being hand-stitched and produced <laughs> to almost 
confession as a vehicle. Like that's that's what she was as a football player. Like she glided on the field. She she never really looked like she was ever having a, a tough day at the office. Uh, and surprisingly, you know, she just had this power under the hood, this acceleration that. You know, I've never driven a Rolls Royce, but you know they go not to 60 as quick as most cars. So she just had that class, and that class was off the pitch as well. You know, whatever room she she walked into, she had a a presence like a almost a humility, but a, a competitive presence that you know the alphas just walked into the room here, um, and not because of what she was saying or what she was doing, what she'd achieved, what she'd achieved as, a, as an individual on a football pitch consistently. So that, that would be my best analogy, uh, metaphor I could use, just an absolute Rolls Royce to work with. So as a coach, and you've kind of already suggested this, you were like, okay, there's going to be a lot of pressure on me now. What did you work on with her like she when you when you saw her she's she's a rolls royce so how do you improve on a rolls royce i think with anything it's it's creating the the right environment for for that player to perform it's creating putting the right mechanics around her so she was working with top level people i recognized there was a mental component to what christine was was having to carry as as the leader of our country, as well as that player that had the expectation of a team every time she played to to score, so immediately we were able to, you know, put uh, the All Blacks uh, mental performance coach around her, which was Dr. Kerry Evans. Uh, you know, I thought that was a, an important step to show her that we were willing to to bring, you know, that that real high level support, uh, people best in class at what they do in the area that she she could go in. And I felt it was a, it was a big part of, you know, her ability to understand one, that that expectation's normal, two, that she didn't have to carry a burden. It was more about developing her as a leader to bring more out of our teammates and using that leadership influence that she had. And not many people get that level of leadership influence because they haven't achieved consistently what she'd achieved, but she had that influence and probably didn't understand the tools that she could use to bring her leadership to that next level, to bring more out of the people around her, which would ultimately bring more out of her and the team. So there were two key areas I got to work in pretty quickly and and then it was just evolving her tactically, you know, finding positions on the field in the diamond where we played with a, a diamond for a period of time or a Christmas tree shape where she wasn't the focal point and teams would find it more difficult to take Christine out of the game and mm-hmm. stop Canada. So they were the, they were the areas we, we went towards, but I brought in that clarity. I let her know that these were the areas we were going to work on where we could bring medals to this country and and finally get her winning uh, in that red jersey. How was she when there was a team setback? 
Like, how did she react to that? Because as much success as the Canadian women's team has had um, along the way, there have been some painful losses as well. Yeah, I think the, the, the 2012 was was the moment that really uh, set her up as a leader. She, um, you know, to score a hat-trick at Old Trafford to, to lead the USA three times in a match, and I don't think Canada had led USA in previous high-level competitions. To come out of that game with a, with a loss, and I think anyone that remembers that game, mm-hmm. it was heavily influenced by the referee and I know Christine had made comments and all the other bits that went with it but I remember being in the hallway outside the dressing room at Old Trafford and I was speaking with with Dr Evans about you know how I was going to address the team because we felt something had to be said in the dressing room it had to be it had to be dealt with there because we still had a medal to play for but the you know the little uh, <laughs> Irish equipment manager came out made of glass and uh, she just said, "Gents, uh, you don't even need to go in there." Christine's just said it all, and and for us that was the moment. You know, we we was hoping a leader like her would step forward and take, and she did. You know, no matter how much pain she was in, emotionally, mentally, that the gold medal had just evaporated. She had the ability to use our influence and players still to this day will say what she said in that dressing room will remain private, but it just cleared the air very quickly and got them into a performance state ready to medal against France. And I think that's it. Cometh the hour, cometh the woman. I mean, that was for me her her starting point on the leadership journey. But for those that know, she'd done a few things that were outside of her comfort zone prior to that Olympics, that we just probed and pushed her to do things outside of our comfort zone that I think set her up for that moment. And yeah, that medal, I don't think would have came without the words of Christine uh, in that in that locker room in, in such a poignant moment. What are you hoping to see in these two matches, uh, first in Langford and then at BC Place, and what could be a very large crowd at BC Place? I just think energy and excitement. I mean, this is um, th- this is for Christine, and I think for the the fans. What I hear about the ticket sales, you know, they're coming to to send her off. I mean, she's BC's for me greatest athlete, part of the the country's ever produced. She's she's globally going to be a legend in the women's game for for many moons to come because of the record she set. So I just hope that people, you know, enjoy the moment and celebrate it. Celebrate the moment, you know. Make sure you've got a nice chant for Christine because that's something I've never heard a Christine Sinclair chant like you'd hear in the in the. European sort of environment, it'll be, it's time to send her off the right way. So, you know, regardless of the result, obviously we'd love to see Canada win. This isn't about that. Mm -hmm. This is about uh, that woman and recognition to a legend leaving the game. How's life for you, John, these days? Oh, I'm loving life. Loving life. Um, Yeah. 
on the grass every day with players, working with some great players um, and an organisation that, you know, really wants to, to be a championship team. So, uh, loving life. Do you feel rejuvenated or did you need to be rejuvenated in terms of y- your energy and your excitement for the job? Absolutely. Absolutely. You only had to see my last few press conferences with candidates and all that. <laughs> you know, that's not that, that's not who I am. It's not what, what I stand for either. It's just enough was enough. And I'm in a great, a great space. I brought six of the staff with us who were ready to be rejuvenated and we're ready for a big mountain to climb against uh, against the uh, the odds next season, I guess, with TFC. But um, you know, these are the sort of missions we we tend to get involved with. So, yeah, fresh, ready, and uh, excited. Well, John, we both want to thank you for taking the time to do this today. We really appreciate it. Uh, best of luck with the upcoming season with TFC and enjoy uh, watching the final two matches for Christine Sinclair in the Canadian Women's National Team jersey. Thanks, team. All the best. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. John Herdman, so former Canadian. A live broadcast. That was a live interview. That I, I was, John. I, so I was, I had a moment of abject panic. When he was like, "Is that the question you're going to ask?" But he, yeah, but he was. Like, then I, I was realized, like, "Isn't that a good one?" Want to yeah. try it again and make it good? What's the opposite <laughs> of a great question? Yeah. That's what that was. Because sometimes, like, just you know, if you're re- if you're doing a recorded podcast, which maybe John thought he was on, no, just no, like, he, okay, he, you he want was, me to start there? I mean, so it, wasn't, it was a live, the important a live radio show, which he's a well aware of. So the, impor- the important thing is, it wasn't my question. The problem that's really the important thing. Well, it's kind of the question too. It was a good. It was a good, good, good question. Um, anyway, it's a bit long winded. It was. Oh. It had a lot of detail to it. Maybe a little bit too much color. John, let me take you back to my childhood. <laughs> the year was nineteen tickety seven. Okay. Coin um, said pictures of bees on this. That's why he didn't think it was live because you yeah. were just rambling. For- <laughs> okay, so uh, what's facing uh, us as sports fans this weekend? Uh, the Seahawks have already played. They lost to the Cowboys. There are a couple good games on Sunday. Uh, Eagles and 49ers uh, Sunday afternoon. Chiefs and Packers uh, is a Sunday night game. But uh, the game we're going to be focusing on is... The Canucks in the Flames on Saturday in Calgary. The new look Vancouver Canucks on Saturday. It's the one road game that the Canucks have in this current kind of uh, stretch of games. They got seven of eight at home. Their last game did not go well against the Vegas Golden Knights, and it's okay to say that. Um, They need to have a response, and with Nikita Zadorov in the lineup, hopefully they get some energy out of that. Um, and I imagine he's going to be uh, playing, especially. I, I the reaction for him is going to be very interesting in Calgary. Um, this is a guy that was. Very, I don't think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be pretty predictable. Well, he's here's be booed, the thing, though: booed and booed lustily. He, he was he he asked out, so I think you're right that they're going to be booed. But when he was saying when he was out so outspoken early in the season, he was saying a lot of the things that Flames fans, frustrated Flames fans, were, were saying too. Right? right? He was saying like, "Listen, guys, like, you know, apparently the coach." was a problem so we got rid of Daryl Sutter and then we brought in a friendly coach and you guys aren't playing for the friendly coach and you know and and I actually wonder behind the scenes how those comments and he was like very publicly critical it was not just one pre- one one availability when he was critical of the flames it was multiple uh, I wonder how those comments were received within the room I have no idea mm-hmm. um, I imagine that some of the guys were probably like right on like you're absolutely right but I wonder if some of the guys were like hey man like 
you're with us too. Yeah. Right? Like, um, well, you, look, you seem to be criticizing um, outside. Like, you're, you're, you're acting like you're doing great. But everyone else is 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 letting the team down. So they really hit. And his, he's an outspoken guy. By the way, he's an outspoken he's a guy. Very outspoken guy. Uh, their low point, the Calgary Flames' low point, was the first. You know, I'd say 10, 12 games of the season. It kind of hit rock bottom when they lost four one in Ottawa on Saturday, Remembrance Day. And since then, they've been pretty good. They went from four eight and two to NHL five hundred ten ten and three. And you look at recently, they've got three wins in their last four. The four teams, really tough competition. Dallas twice, Colorado, and Vegas. And they've won three of those. Granted, two of them run overtime. But who cares if you're Calgary, right? You're not worried about who gets the extra point. You just want wins on the table. And look at the guys that are doing the business. Hubert and Kadri played huge roles in that overtime win over mm-hmm. Dallas last night. And those are guys that they need to get on board. So this is not going to be a, an easy game by any stretch for the Canucks. The Canucks, have, look, the Canucks are the epitome of 500 hockey right now. They're mixing in wins and losses, all, like basically alternating wins and losses. Um, they can look good at times and look pretty awful at times. They look like a 500 hockey team right now in the last, I'd say, seven to ten games. And that's maybe that's what they are. Right. But they built up enough of a cushion at the beginning of the year where, dead honest, 500 hockey will probably get you pretty close to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Now, they need there, there should be more. They should be better. I think Zadorov's going to help. In a lot of different ways, and the top six got to get going at yeah. five at five well, on five, and I mean that's going to be the next great challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Is now that we've addressed, not fixed, addressed the defense. How do we go about getting the top six clicking? And then when that happens, it's let's make sure that the bottom six is still doing what it's doing. I, I wonder if uh, I wonder if Kuzmenko is going to stick with Miller and Besser for a bit. Tockett said when he moved him to the Miller and Besser line, that was the for a goal. There was one particular guy in the. Scrums I don't know who yesterday. that leaves Petey with, but there was one particular guy doing all a media guy doing all the scrums yesterday who asked everybody about Kuzmenko's third period. Mm-hmm. So that's why we got so much audio about it. But regardless, everybody said that's the best we've seen him play in a long time. I mean, I know the third. Well, Tockett said that. Yeah, but Miller. Oh, okay. Hughes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were a couple other ones as well. And, yeah. and Miller, Miller owned up for his poor performance too. He, he said, you know their best line and it's my job to shut that line down uh their best line got the best of us and that's on me and it was the miller line on there against uh the eichel line and it was two nothing for vegas early on and you know the connects never really got back into the game i want to read one more what we learned from east van tommy what we learned congratulations guys that was the most erratic and confusing show you've ever done, and that's saying a lot for the Halbro experience. Love you. Have a great weekend. We knew the show was going to be chaos when we knew all the things that we had to do, and uh, we were right. It we was did. chaos. In any other situation, I'd celebrate with a high five, but probably not today. we got to get out of yeah, here for look now. At, look at the elbow. Look at the elbow. The trick. Apparently it doesn't work. We saw the video. Signing off for now, but we will be back on Monday. I have been Mike Halford. He has been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Oh, it's going to be so good. It's going to, you know, I'm telling buddies from across the country, like, that is a great time to come.